Hey, Fire fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. We are previewing the Chicago Fire's second match this season against the Philadelphia Union, this time being played at home Saturday, April 15th at Soldier Field. We're going to look at what we expect the starting formation to be, some changes in the lineup with the availability of Jardin Shakiri, as well as kind of touching on Philly's form lately. They are not living up to standards. But we're going to take a look at all of that as well as give you some trivia and predictions as to what I think is going to happen in the match this weekend. I want to remind everyone that our show is sponsored by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Make sure you go out and buy a bottle or two or three, especially as you're going to be yelling at your TV this weekend. And Skira Icelandic Spring Water is available at your local 7-Eleven. And thanks to everyone who's following along on Spotify, on YouTube, any other podcast platform out there, as well as everyone listening locally and overseas. And of course, a blessed Holy Week and a Kalo Pasca, Kali Anastasi, a blessed resurrection to all of our Orthodox listeners who are celebrating Easter this upcoming weekend. Now, let's get into the match preview. Always got to do a little housekeeping, right? Now, the match preview, Chicago Fire versus the Union, 4-15, April 15th, 7.30 p.m. Kickoff, yeah, about 10 minutes after that coverage begins, right? In the last meeting, the Union defeated the Fire 1-0 on, back on March 11th. It was a late winner for the Union. And, you know, a lot of Fire fans are like, well, you know, if you say before the match, we're going to only lose in Philly 1-0, I guess you, you take it. You accept the fact that the Fire just weren't that good. But when you watch the game, we were almost left disappointed that the fire didn't at least salvage a draw in that one. Like expectations changed during that match because the fire were kind of keeping Philly in check and Philly weren't really threatening. So now that we've had that experience, given the fire's recent run of form, they've gone four games unbeaten since that loss to Philly with two wins and two draws. And the Union have only won two of their last 11 matches in Chicago. There are some bigger expectations now here for the Chicago Fire. So history is boding well for the Fire as well as recent form. But my biggest question for the Fire is how are they going to start their lineup? What's going to be their starting lineup, especially with Gutierrez and Jordan Shakiri having to be on the pitch at the same time? Now, this is a good problem to have, especially for manager Ezra Hendrickson, though I think he would probably prefer uh, to have an injury decided for him or have Gutierrez have a bad bad performance and decided for him that he can start Shakiri in that center mid spot that he has so often alluded to in post-game comments that that is Shaq's starting role. However, Gutierrez has been playing really well, and Shakiri by payroll and by pedigree is the best player on this Chicago fire team. And you want to put your best players out on the pitch. So what I think is going to happen is that you keep Gutierrez centrally. You keep him running the offense. You allow him to have a little bit more range, a little bit more space on the field. And Shakiri, who has played on the wing in, uh, in his career, is still able to play those balls into the channels uh, for the strikers, is able to play those crosses into the box if he gets upfield a little bit more. We have seen Kai Kamara, uh, I think, was it in the DC match? I forget which match it was. Kai Kamara has gotten into the corners, gotten in deep, gotten into the channels, uh, to use the lingo, and then try to also create. He is best in the box. Uh, But 
worst case scenario, he can drift out into some wide areas in the attacking third and and maybe create a little bit with Shakiri. I wouldn't want to see that. I would want that as a second, maybe third option, of course, if there's nothing else going offensively. But Shakiri does like to play balls into the box from the middle third of the field. And Kai is a good enough striker. He's an excellent striker, but he's a good enough striker to recognize that and get in good spaces. Just look at that goal last week where Arnaud Suquet played that beautiful cross in. It was the second goal, the diving header uh, that Kai got on. On the end of, it was an early run from him into the center of the box, and Suquet found him. I expect to see more of that from Suquet as well as from Kai and Shakiri. So, again, Shakiri can still be effective on the wing, but but Gutierrez needs to stay in the middle because that's when the fire have been at their best. I wouldn't be surprised if Ezra does try to tinker a little bit with his formation, maybe not going away from the 4-2-3-1 when they're in their defensive shape, but maybe trying to do something a little different with Shakiri uh, when they get into their offensive rhythm. All right, let's look at the back line because that is the other question that people have been asking that I have been asking, right? The story is who's going to start out of these four, Miguel Navarro, Arno Suquet, Jonathan Dean, and Alonzo Aceves. Now Aceves has had about three weeks or so since being, since coming to Chicago, on loan from Liga MX, right? And so he should be fitting into the rhythm of the players, into the training, into everything that Ezra Hendrickson and the coaching staff would expect out of him. So the whole idea of, well, he's new and getting acclimated probably isn't going to fly uh, if they don't want to put him in the game. But knowing Ezra and the fact that he doesn't like to mess around too much with his starting lineup and his formations, he likes consistency. And there's a lot to be said for that, especially when things are going okay enough for the Chicago Fire. I don't want to say as good as they have been because, you know, they're they're sitting in sixth in, in the playoff table right now. Two wins and two draws is their recent form. I'm not going to say they're, you know, they're, they're on a steamroll here, right? But they're, they're playing pretty well. This is, this is one of the better stretches that they've had under Ezra Hendrickson. So I don't think he's going to want to change that up, which is why I think he's going to keep Navarro and Suquet as your two starting outside backs. He's going to keep Tehran and Chihos as your starting center backs. And then this gives him the flexibility that he has been talking about in the last couple game uh, post-game conferences, where if they want to go to a five-in-the-back defensive shape like we saw last week, you can bring Wyatt Olmsberg in. Olmsberg, who had a, a brief stint in that last game and then went out and played a full 90 in Chicago Fire 2 game. Uh, so he looks to be healthy and back to 100%. I expect him uh, to be ready to go for the fire at a moment's notice, especially if they need to rest Chihos at all and give his uh, aging legs a break. So we've got Olmsberg and uh, available off the bench to come in if we need to shore up the back line. But also you can bring in Jonathan Dean, who has been a pretty decent two-way player since coming to the Chicago Fire and since playing in MLS. He can push forward and he can also track back He's got, he knows how to read the game, read those passing lanes, which has been huge for the fire team who kind of has struggled uh, in transition defense a little bit this season. Also, you've got Alonzo Aceves. If you're chasing the game, put him in, send him forward, uh, let him try and get into the offensive line, right? So there's a lot of options now off the bench. We have been critical of the Chicago fire for their lack of depth um, because once, you know, one or two guys go out with injuries, yellow card, red card suspensions, uh, which gets into disciplinary issues, which 
have not been as big of an issue as of late. Uh, we see the lack of depth that the Fire have, but now that they've got their full complement of players ready to go, here's hoping Fetty Navarro can come back and start this week uh, in, in that central defensive mid position. Don't know if they'll give him a little extra time, especially considering uh, this Philadelphia Union team is most likely going to sit back and play more of a conservative defensive uh, bunker and counter style. At least that's what I'm anticipating. Uh, the Fire have some options here and can maybe make some late game adjustments. Ezra Hendrickson has not been making such adjustments. He's been very reactive. He has been very outcoached, I would say, in most of his tenure with the Fire. But last week we saw him pull the right strings. We saw Minnesota United go offensive, and then we saw with their subs in the second half, and then we saw Ezra Hendrickson within eight minutes change the formation, bring in defensive subs, and, and then drop Kutsias up top in a 4-5-1 and allow him to be the outlet uh, for their defense. So he actually made some really good adjustments last week, and with the player availability, uh, with the depth on the outside backs, we can see him be flexible again this week. Let's hope last week was the blueprint for the fire playing from ahead, playing with the lead. Now, the next big question for the Chicago Fire is, where will the goals come from? Last week, Kai Kamara started, I think that's his first start for the Chicago Fire this season, uh, and he ends up with two goals, bags himself a brace, two excellent goals. The first one, lucky deflection, second one, great Great header to the far post, but both of them due to Kai being in the right position at the right time. He is clearly the best scoring option now, so I don't expect that to change. I do expect him to get the start. Uh, I don't see Ezra being overly sentimental and wanting to have Shabilko start against his former club, especially now that it's been a couple seasons. Uh, but I, Kai Kamara is your best scoring option. I expect him to get the start. Now, do we see Ezra follow his usual substitution pattern and pull Kai either at halftime. I shouldn't say pull Kai, pull the starting forward like he had been doing with Shabilko at halftime or around the 60th minute. And if he does, at that point, do you see Shabilko come in? Do you see Kutsius come in? I imagine it'll be the same as last week, where if they're playing with the lead, you bring Shabilko and Kutsius in, change your formation to go defensive, let Shabilko drop a little bit deeper, have him try to do a little hold-up play, or in the event that they do get on a counterattack, he can be your second runner into the box, with Kutsius being the main outlet and the primary attacker on any sort of offensive play. But I do want to see Kutsius back in this game. He was competent last week, as I mentioned in our recap uh, of that match. He did what you needed him to do. As the lone striker in a 5-4-1 uh, formation, a very defensive formation. He got out where he needed to, to be the outlet. He held the ball up and threatened when he could, right? So he played very competently, a great first MLS match for him. Let's see if he can do a little bit more in this next match. And I, I really want to test him and I really want to see what he can do, especially if the fire are up a goal late or if they're up to, I'm not even going to say if they're up three, because I really don't see that happening, but if they are up two goals, Will he be able to get more involved in, in killing off the end of that game? That's what I want to see from Kutsius. And if they are level or if they're chasing the game, how does he get himself into dangerous positions? Is he going to be like a Shabilko who drops back into the middle of the field and then tries to get involved that way? 
I don't want to see that. I don't think it's effective for Shabilko or for will be for Kutsias. I want him in an attacking position. I want him in and around the box. Now let's flip to the other side of the field here and take a look at the Union because the Fire are catching the Union at the right time. Philadelphia finished up their CCL, their CONCACAF Champions League matchup against Atlas on Wednesday and have been rotating their MLS squads in order to focus on Champions League. Now, the semifinals against LAFC in Champions League are going to be in April 25th, uh, about 12 days or so away. I anticipate the Union are going to continue to limit minutes, especially when you have to finish in the top nine just to make the playoffs. I don't think the Union are hard-pressed to go out and try and earn a lot of points early in the season. They can do that later on in the season, especially when you have a team struggling mightily like Montreal, and you have some other teams toward the bottom of the Eastern Conference that Philly could pick up four or six points with late in the season. Also, Philly does have depth. So this is what we got to caution any sort of, ah, Philly's tired, they're, they're worried about CCL. They do have depth. They have some good young players and who have been playing in this Philly system since joining their academies at a young age, right? Also, Philly is a pretty good defensive team despite their current standing. They are about the top quarter in MLS in most defensive categories, as well as yellow cards. So let's not be surprised if Philly try to muck this game up and try to get the fire to, let's say, loosen up their discipline, get them into some arguments, get them into some fights, make it a dirty, ugly game, and play for a point on the road. That's what Chicago's got to watch out for. So on top of that, Chicago is really going to need their defensive mids to keep a good defensive shape to prevent Philadelphia from establishing any possession in the midfield and prevent Philadelphia from any sort of counterattack. And we're going to need those outside backs to make sure they're tracking runners. What we cannot have happen, and what I am still worried about from the fire, from the defensive perspective, we saw it in the Cincy game, especially. We saw it in the Miami game where the fire defenders get caught in a counterattack and they're not sure where where their positioning needs to be, which runners to pick up, and they just backpedal and backpedal and backpedal. And before you know it, they're inside their own 18, allowing the opposing counterattack to have progressed the ball all the way up the field and then giving them an open look from about 20 yards out. And we've seen that bite the fire in several games, and it still worries me. Now, Brady has been playing really well in goal, other than that one big mistake last week. Fortunately, it didn't cost the fire any points. But you know then that opposing teams are going to see that, and they are going to start teeing off from 18, 20, 25 yards out. Also, I think the fire from a defensive kind of tactic need to make opposing players make fast decisions, especially in this Philly game here. I don't think Philly have players who are excelling at 1v1 attacking. So if the fire can force them into a decision early, then they may make the wrong decision more often than not. Philly likes to either counterattack and get on a fast break where there really isn't much of a decision for their attacker, and it's just just go straight at the goal and see what you can do. Or they also like to have a little bit of an overload uh, on one side of the field, have some intricate passing, and, and kind of work the ball around in dangerous areas. And if the fire can make them make fast decisions... I think that'll bode well for the fire defense. Now, before I get into my prediction, a little bit of trivia, a little bit of something I saw on Twitter here from MLS Gone Wild. You can follow him at MLS Gone Wild. Uh, 
the top goal converting teams in major league soccer. And that is, if you look at goals per shot on target, Chicago fire lead the league at 53%. The Chicago fire have the highest goals per shot on target in major league soccer. Now, we got to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because the Chicago Fire's expected goals is actually 7.4, which puts them in 18th. They've actually scored nine goals, so they're just outperforming their expected goals. So the goals per shot on target is a little deceiving because the Chicago Fire then won. The shots they are taking aren't on target, and, and we, we've talked about that uh, a little bit with Chris Mueller, a little bit with Gaston Jimenez, who Jimenez likes to you know take his shots from 25, 30 yards out. He looks like he's kicking field goals sometimes at Soldier Field. Uh, and we've also talked about in the past that the Fire's expected goals, they're not generating high percentage shots, right? So in the, But in the times they actually put the ball on frame, every, about every other shot, it's going in the back of the net. Now, you got to remember, uh, I don't know if that takes into account uh, the one penalty kick goal that Rafa Chijos had uh, against Cincinnati, I believe. Um or, yeah, I think against Cincinnati. Uh, so maybe there is a little bit of fudging of the numbers there. But still, the fire, if they can start turning their opportunities on goal, according to the numbers here, according to this one statistic, it would bode well for them. Now, on to the prediction here. We got Philly rotating for CCL, playing away, probably playing conservatively. The fire are in good form, but they will have to adjust to Shakiri possibly being back in the lineup, Fetty Navarro being back in the lineup. But I think if Brady and the defense stay solid, limit any sort of defensive mistakes or laps, this should be three points at home for the men in red. I'll give them a two to one victory over Philadelphia Union. Sorry, Duke fans. I just think that's the way the teams are headed. Now, real quick around the league, there's a few things we got to make note of here just to catch you up with all things MLS. There was a big trade that just happened recently. Not a lot of people saw this coming, at least anyone outside of these two clubs. Big trade between Miami and Montreal. Miami received Kamal Miller and $1.3 million in GAM, in general allocation money. That is huge. And in return, Montreal receives Bryce Duke and Ariel Lassiter. Uh, an up-and-coming midfielder and Ariel Lassiter, who's an MLS commodity, who's a, a, an okay scoring option, right? I was really high on him when he was playing with Houston, uh, and, and he just hasn't developed into that regular, everyday goal-scoring striker, but still a threat. Honestly, I think this is a win-win for both teams. And, and all good trades should be, and this is a good trade. But it's a much bigger win for Miami, who not only bolster their defense, we've seen their defensive lapses, especially against the Chicago Fire, giving up three goals and not tracking second and third runners. So getting Kamal Miller is going to be huge for them. But also they get a boatload of cash, $1.3 million in, in general allocation money. That is insane. I wonder what Montreal was thinking with the bookkeeping on this one, right? The the biggest interleague trades that we've seen for players are around two million for for designated players or fringe national team players, right? To get one point three million and Kamal Miller in return for uh, a a competent striker, an aerial Lassiter, and an upcoming talent in Price Duke, like that, that is a major major victory for Inter Miami. And they're going to have a lot of money to spend once those roster restrictions are taken off of them. This is 
amazing. Watch Miami and, and hopefully Montreal can take Duke and Lasseter and kind of build around them and kind of steady the ship as they have been playing very, very poorly at the beginning of the season. Couple other things to watch for: Concacaf Champions League, as we've alluded to previously. Uh, LAFC and Philadelphia Union are in the semifinals on one half of the bracket, so you're gonna get an MLS team in the final. And on the other half of the bracket, it's Leon and most likely Tigres, pending the outcome tonight, Thursday. I'm recording this Thursday morning, as on the other side of the semis. So most likely Tigres is going to advance, and then we'll have another Liga MX. MLS final matchup. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we want to see, MLS fans? Anyway, also U.S. Open Cups going on. So in local Chicago news, we got Chicago House defeating Ford Madison to advance to take on the Chicago Fire on April 26th, as it's scheduled currently. Now, Chicago House is an amateur club playing in the Midwest Premier League, uh, which they have a partnership with the National Independent Soccer Association, which is Tier 3 in the United States Soccer Federation. So you've got MLS Tier 1, you've got USL Tier 2, and then you've got NISA Tier 3, again, with some variances, uh, especially with USL Championship, League 1 and League 2. Uh, but it'll be really cool to see the Chicago Fire match up against a local team, albeit an amateur team. So hopefully the Chicago Fire are going to win this one fairly easily, and at least we're not going to have to worry about them losing to a USL team again this season. Uh, but a very cool kind of local matchup here. Also around the league matches to watch, right? For me, it's going to be the battle of the bad Montreal versus DC. This could be wooden spoon implication matchup here. Additionally, uh, on the top half of the Eastern conference table, Columbus crew are hosting the new England revolution. This is going to be a really interesting matchup. Two teams who've been banging in goals, who look to be in really good form and could really assert themselves as a top three team in the Eastern conference with a win here. Could be lots of goals in this one. Looking out west, I'm watching Portland versus Seattle. It's Cascadia Cup. It's a rivalry matchup. And it could be just what the Timbers need to, again, right the ship and get their season going in the correct direction. They have been struggling mightily. And maybe it's time for them to turn the roster over. Even with Evander coming in, and he's not been really effective when he's been playing. Uh, maybe it is time for them to move on from kind of their old guard and just, just flip the roster and rebuild it. Uh, but if they perform well against Seattle, who knows what that does for their season. I don't, I don't think they're going to win despite being at home. Seattle's just too good right now. But anyway, something to watch for. And with that, I want to thank all of our viewers on YouTube, our listeners on Spotify, or wherever else you're getting your podcasts. Go ahead and follow us along on Spotify. It is it is our primary uh, broadcasting method, and it really helps bolster us uh, and push us out to a lot of new listeners. Uh, our audience is steadily growing, and we couldn't do that with those of you who are already listening, liking, and subscribing. Again, go out, buy a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water next time you're walking by a local 7-Eleven. Follow us on social media at Glasshouse Soccer, and I will respond as best I can to any emails or direct messages we get. Enjoy all the matches this weekend, fans, and we look forward to recapping a Chicago Fire victory, hopefully, next week. Thanks.